are in week four of Be Different, and it is, uh, last week we talked about how we're different because God has made us holy, and we're going to honor God's holiness, and we recognize that that is something that is, is uh, massively important to him. It's who he is, it's what he's drawn to, and it's what he's calling us to become. And uh, we want to step into that. Two weeks ago, we talked about what it means to be loved by God and how uh, when you're loved, it destroys insecurities. And we can love others because we've been loved. And uh, we don't love out of insecurity or out of fear or anything like that because we, we're, we're, we've been made whole. And uh, week one, we talked about the, the difference that we have in this world of just knowing hope. And uh, so this was not planned in the series. We planned it about a month and a half ago. And uh, we're talking about the enemy today. Uh, and I don't know if I've ever preached on the enemy, but um, I wanted to be clear, rather than teaching about the enemy, uh, I don't really care about the enemy. Uh, he's beneath me, and that's the way I look at it, uh, and not because of me or anything about me, but it's uh, what Jesus has done in my life. And so rather than teaching you the enemy, I always want to teach you who the Lord is and what the Lord wants to do in your life. But we do want to, we feel like it's needed to make known to you some of the trickery that the enemy would have done here, even within the church. Does that make sense? This is a fun one for me, uh, only because I can see the deception even now. It's funny how many of us believe that Jesus is Lord? Hey, will you raise your hand real quick? Jesus is Lord, right? Why don't we believe in the devil? Why don't we recognize that he is operating in things in the world that we live in? Why don't we recognize him more often? And, uh, and I want you to know that he is the enemy of your soul there has been multiple times in my life where I felt like people were against me and they became my enemy. Since I've been reconciled with Jesus, I recognize I don't have enemies in humans. Don't have one. I have an enemy and his name is the devil and he's dumb. And I've made it the mission of my life to put him under my feet and to bring, lift people up. Does that make sense? So today, uh, I know that some of you have never talked much about the enemy, and I'm going to try to make it my goal. Jesus is more powerful. He's more worthy of my focus and my attention. Uh, someone said once, it's in a pretty fun movie, that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. And, uh, and I think it's so funny how many believers live as if the devil doesn't exist, as if he's not doing anything in your family as if he's not do, trying to operate in your finances, as if he's not trying to operate within social media and the things that draw your attention, uh, as if he's not actually trying to transform your mind. I think it's powerful. Anyways, I have to jump into this. So here's what I uh, need you to know is uh, Luke chapter 22 verse 31 would say this. Man, I've read this verse so many times in our church, probably 40, no, way more than that. I'd say maybe 60 times. I've never heard this before. Isn't it funny how the word of God can be alive? Uh, so check this out. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, whew, think about that, Simon, that your faith may not fail. For when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. 
You know what I have always heard? Is Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. I think that's the way I've preached it. I don't know why in the back of my head, maybe I heard it somewhere else, but I didn't recognize, you know, the mission of our church is to make disciples. That, that's, that's why we exist. Jesus didn't call uh, to go out and make Christians. He called us to go out and make disciples. So the call of all of our lives, once we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, is to become like him. To take on his teachings, to take on his love, to take on his kindness and his generosity and become Jesus in a dark world. Amen? Amen. If you're here and you believe that God is calling you in the process of discipleship, would you raise your hand? What I, you need to know is in this passage, Luke chapter 22, what I didn't hear before, I only heard Jesus say that Satan intended to sift him like wheat. But I didn't realize that what he was saying was, he's coming for all the disciples, Simon. He's coming for you and everyone that wants to be like me. Whether you realize it or not, Satan hates you. And he doesn't necessarily hate you because you're you. He hates you because of the way Jesus loves you. He, he hates that Jesus loves you. He hates God's desire and passion for you. And because he is under Jesus' feet, his attempt is to get you under his. It's the only way he can get to the Lord. It's the only way he can hurt Jesus is by coming for you. It's kind of like a mama bear, you know? Like, if, if you can't hurt mama bear, you can sure hurt mama bear by hurting her cubs, right? And, uh, and this is the, Lord love, the way he loves us, is he really wants to protect us. And so he has this mission that he's saying to, to Peter here, when you come through, strengthen your brethren. You need to know that the enemy wants to even move within your church. He wants to even move within your connect group. He wants to move even within your family. He wants to move even within your life. And uh, there are so many people, I believe, that would be dismissive to this reality. So Peter himself would pen it again later in a letter that he would write. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Notice, it wasn't talking about people. Your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. The things that you're going through, others are going through it. And he's trying to say, hey, guys, we got to wake up. We got to be sober-minded. We got to recognize that we have a job to do. As I'm thinking about this, I'm, I'm realizing a lot of things that maybe we aren't mindful of. And so uh, my hope is to kind of maybe shine light on some things that may be happening behind the scenes in your head that the enemy might be trying to do. Is this fair? Yeah. Hey, let's pray. Jesus, gonna need your help. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm different because I'm aware and I can see that though we live in a physical world, this is massively spiritual. I don't know if you know, but like before we gathered here today, we had to make sure that our intercessors went to war for you to, to, to even like break the ground. There's a lot of things going on that we can't see that I think God wants you to be able to see.
our apostle Paul. So please understand that we don't believe in Jesus out of thin air because someone told us that we believe in Jesus because it, it, it's, it's been written and it's been passed down from generation to generation and generation. And now because of faith in him and the power of the Holy Spirit, we learned who he is. The same book also teaches us that there's an enemy. And our apostle Paul would say this in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, beloved, is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers in this dark world and against forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Can you... Trying to get you to understand truth. See, the problem is, is that many of us only know truth by the finances that we see in our bank account. But that's, that's only what we see in black and white. Like, if you can open your eyes, you'd understand there's a lot more going on in your life. I had a... It's not part of my notes, but I wanted to remind you today that the objective of this sermon is not to get you to wage warfare against the devil uh, when you end up at the dentist and you find out that you have three cavities. That wasn't the devil. No, the devil was a long time ago when you forgot to floss. The devil's in the details, right? But the problem is, is that we only see it now that we have something that is black and white and big. When the doctor says there's a problem, when you, you didn't see the, the problem in your finances when we were going to Starbucks seven days a week, $6 a visit, but now at the end of the month, now that we don't have the finances that we want to, see, we spent more than we, we should have because we didn't, and now it's the devil. No, like it was, it was the, I'm going to try to show you here in scripture, it was the devil long before that. You just didn't see it until now. And this is how we get snared. He, believe, he talks us into doing something small and simple. And it, it's the little foxes that spoil the vent. Okay, here we go. I have to keep going. Uh, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, uh, but against rulers and against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. I'm going to read the rest of this passage that the Apostle Paul is going to say about the enemy here in Ephesians chapter 6, but then I'm going to go back. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day comes, the day of evil comes, you would be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then, and with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, uh, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. When, when, I'm, when I'm speaking the, the armor of God over my life, I'm actually thinking of what these things are doing. Uh, I, I love the belt of truth uh, around, around my waist, around my, um, my loins. I, I like the breastplate of righteousness, Lord, to protect my heart from, from thinking unwicked, uh, wicked things. I, I'm asking for the, the, the helmet of salvation. I'm asking God for the feet showed to the preparation of the gospel of peace, that this would be my ministry, that I'm, I'm sowing peace everywhere that I'm going, and that I would take up the shield of faith, uh, that I would quench the fiery darts of the enemy and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Beloved, you're in a war. Whether you want it to be or not, someone declared war against you. The war was not to take you down. The war was to separate you from your creator. And whether we, like, I, I, I don't think that we understand sometimes 
how important it is to harmonize with God, to be one with him, to be like in tune and in sync with Jesus. And so I recognize that like to some of you, you you'll hear me, people will comment, you're so passionate. I, I feel God calling you to be passionate about him. And this, okay, here we go. Uh, he would say, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert, be alert, be alert, beloved. And always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, the words may be given to me that I will be fearless and make known the mystery of the gospel. I threw that part in there just so you remember to pray for your pastor. <laughs> little nugget out there. Pastor's crazy, Lord. He needs you. When we go back up to the beginning part of this here in verse 10, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. The word there in Greek is uh, methodia. And uh, it, the, the words could be translated uh, while or, or lie or wait, craftily, cunning art. But the word scheme essentially is a large-scale systematic plan. A large-scale systematic plan. And this is why it's important that we always are turning our hearts towards the Lord. Because the enemy's plan for your life is in the little things. He wants you to do one little thing at a time to get you off course before he pulls the rope. And you have to recognize that it is a scheme. Uh, he will try to use people to manipulate you and get you off the path. He is going to try to influence you in a lot of ways. Crafty, in trickery, this is the enemy's playground. There is an enemy. And I'm just grateful that the Lord is mightier than him Amen. and has made his truth plain to me. And the biggest danger of all of this is not whether or not you believe my sermon on the enemy or not. The biggest danger is whether or not we are in the truth of God's word. It's not the truth that we memorized 17 years ago. It's the truth that God is calling me to read tomorrow morning. We've got to stay in his word. He'll illuminate anything that, that's going on behind the scenes in your life as long as you stay in the word. So this can seem like um, man, pastor's preaching about the devil and you have to rebuke the devil behind everything. Nope, 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 nope. I don't actually even believe that you need to fight the devil. The Lord has already done that. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We have to be aware that the enemy is trying to get us off course. Okay, I have to keep going. I have to keep going. I have to keep going. So large-scale systematic plan. I think the first thing that the enemy is trying to do in all of our lives is he's trying to throw shame on us. Now, uh, this means a lot to me. Uh, first, I have to go there in scriptures. So this is Genesis chapter 3. We read this last week. The woman was convinced, and she saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. I think of that like Starbucks. <laughs> so, so delicious, right? And it's not that big of a deal, guys. It's just a Starbucks, right? It's just a salty French fry. It's just a fill in the blank. It's not a big deal. 
So she took some of the fruit and she ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breeze was blowing, uh, the, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking in the garden and so they hid from the Lord among the trees. The Lord, uh, the enemy loves to throw shame on you. Now, here's what you have to understand. The Lord has robed us in righteousness, okay? And so the only thing that the enemy really can do is try to talk you out of that. He's trying to talk you out of sonship. He's trying to talk you out of confidence. And I don't know why. This is something that's coming straight from your pastor today that has quite a bit of frustration speaking behind it. It angers me to no end when I see the beloved shameful or embarrassed or feeling like they cannot do the things that God has evidently called you to do in black and white. Like, will you pray? Oh, I, I, I can't do that, pastor. Who said you can't pray? Who told you that you can't pray? Who talked you out of that? Who says you're not good enough? Hey, go, go share, share your faith with people. Oh, I, I can't do that, pastor. You're a disciple of Jesus. You, yes, you can. But it, what happens is, is the Lord's going to throw shame on you and tell you that you cannot do X, Y, Z. I can't pray with my kids. Says, says oh, I, can't, I can't possibly speak or teach or lead a small group. What? We're disciples of Jesus. It's what you were called and destined to do. Yes, you can. And if you're not that good at it, then we're going to get better at it together. Let's start praying, church, because this is what God called. And so the enemy is always going to throw shame on you. So what Eve did, she ate the apple, and instantly she felt shame. And this is what I read. I never saw this before. Saw it this week. Thought it was really beautiful. And I preached on it last week. Actually, if I'm being honest, as I was preaching it last week, I saw it for this week. So here's you. you know. The Lord, as she bit the apple, Adam and Eve, they, they used the garden as their covering, but God actually intended them to be the garden's covering. Their design was to lord over the garden. Their design was, was to be all like confident the animals are coming to them and they were naming. They had no fear. They had no lack of confidence. But now all of a sudden, cool breeze comes. The Lord's here. I need to use this to hide myself. And the Lord stealing from his, the enemy stealing from the, talking you right out of robes of righteousness. Here, put this on. And we wear it. Schemes, man little snake. The Lord said, I'd bruise his head, man, with my heel. Right, that's another sermon for another day. Okay, so part, the second thing that I know, that I know, that I know that the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to create division. Man, I mean, I see this all the time, and I'm going to stay right there in this passage in Genesis chapter 3, verse 11 through 13. Who told you, the Lord said, that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, it was the woman who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And the Lord God asked him, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, and that's why I ate. Uh, I want you to know that in an instant... Two things happen. The enemy wants nothing more than for you to be divided from the Lord 
And all of this confusion that we put on ourselves that tells us that we're not good enough to worship, like that tells us that we, 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 we can't, or what if someone's watching you, or what, like, what will people think if they saw who you were yesterday fighting with your sister's cousin's brother's monkey, you know, like, I, then, then, they, then they judge you. People don't know. They don't even care. They're worried about their own. Th- worship the Lord, you know? But here in this passage, like, the enemy would love nothing more than to separate you from the Lord and to separate you from people. Now, here's a side note. I thought about this. Uh, this came to me on Friday as I was praying for you guys. Uh, and I was thinking about putting on the armor of God, right? And I was thinking about, you know when most people stumble isn't when Eve ate the apple. It was when she got separated from Adam. The enemy loves division. He loves to get you alone. There are so many people that love to claim I'm an introvert. Cool. You're not called to be alone. None of us. We were called to live in community. This is God's design. He made you part of the bride of Christ, part of the body of Christ. And the longer that you're off learning on your own, the faster it's going to be. Because the longer Eve was isolated, the call of God was for them to be together, like in the disciples, like to go preach two by two. We always seek community. And I was thinking about when people in the church fall. It's when they get alone. It's when they get away from the word, they get into their own theology, they got on their own internet, and they start looking, and, they, and I was thinking about it. We get comfortable when we're alone. That's when we get home and we take the armor of God off, isn't it? Ah, I don't, I'm at home. I'm safe right where I need to be. I don't need this no more. I can take these off, and I can just be undone. I, I don't I pray at all occasions. Folks, because the enemy would love for you to try this on instead. That's good preaching right here, I think. All right, the third one here that I, I, I and, and, and I would say to this is also uh, the, the division that Adam would say to Eve, you know, when he, when, when, when he blamed it on her, there's a whole lot of other people looking around blaming at someone else. I'm not where God's called me to be in my relationship with the church because of them. But I, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm sorry that you were hurt. I'm sorry that you got lied to. I'm sorry that someone let you down. Uh, but this is what the enemy does. And it wasn't anyone else's fault that Adam ate that apple. Ain't, it, you can't even blame it on the devil. Let's face it. Because if God said not to do it, the, the devil didn't put it in his mouth and make him chew it and swallow it. <laughs> You did it. It's your fault. Own up to it. Repent. Get right with God. He loves you. You're his son. Like, but it ain't no one else's fault. And I think a lot of us are hurt and not where God's calling us to be because of what someone else did. And that's, I just don't, I don't know a place in scripture where we can say, God, if, if, they, were, if they didn't do that, then it'd be okay for me to do this. Like, forgive them. It's all about, you know, I have to keep going. 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 The third thing that I know, uh, would you get me a drink? I'm parched. Um, uh, for, for three is, is uh, the, it, so there's three passages that I know of in scripture where the enemy is present and talking, dialoguing. 
And uh, one of them's in the garden, one's with Job, and one's with Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. And in Matthew chapter 4, uh, I'm going to try to do this quick. During that time, the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to, be, to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, uh, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right? I think this is pretty neat. Pretty, I always read this, and I didn't really, I guess I didn't see the craftiness and the trickery in it. And then he would go on, and he would ask Jesus to do something really super crazy. And then, and then I feel like he just, the enemy throws a Hail Mary and just hopes he gets lucky. And he, and he says this. He says, um, you know, if you would, next the devil took him to a peak of a high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I'll give it to you if you just kneel down and worship me. And, uh, and Jesus said, get out of here, Satan. Uh, he told him, um, but if the scriptures say that you must worship the Lord and serve him only. Um, I love this one. There were a lot of times in my life where I felt like I had to rebuke the devil and like lay into him and warfare and like get all crazy and like yell and scream at the enemy. And I'm learning now that my worship is, um, is the only thing I need. When I know who I am, I don't even have to say anything. Uh, it's like I, I, we got a little puppy, and uh, I don't even, ha- he already knows. I just look at him. Because I know my place. And, and I, here's what I know is that, like, it, it's the same way with everything. When you know who you are, the devil already knows who he is. Okay? But, and this is what happened with Jesus here in this, in this scenario. Now, uh, this is going to get good here. Watch this. Oh, man. First, Satan asked for Jesus to worship him. And I know that this is the same thing that Jesus is asking of you. And I think by and large, when we talk about worship in church, um, knowing that the enemy is scheming for you and God's wanting your attention and your worship, how is your worship? Because I think that in this scenario, we could almost ignore some of the things that that the enemy was asking Jesus by the first part in verse 3 when he asked him to turn the stones into bread. I never saw this before, but I think I see it now. Is that I'm thinking, what bad would that have been if Jesus just said, okay, I'll turn it into bread? It's not that bad. It's like going to get Starbucks. I'm not hating on Starbucks. I don't know why I'm going back to the Starbucks well. It's not a big deal, but it is. Because everything in my life is the Lord's. And when I'm doing things that the Lord hasn't uh, like said, like this is good, then it's bad. And in this scenario, like I think we have to like be really intentional with our finances. We want to make sure that we're, because in 20 years from now, we're going to look back and go, oh, God. Why didn't I have all these things? Because you needed a TV and an Xbox and all those video games and those shoes and those cars. And you needed this, 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 and this. And because you needed all those things, well, now you don't have. And so, but then we'll blame God. But it wasn't the Lord that led you to all of those things. But now he's the... So in this scenario, the enemy says to Jesus, "If just turn these rocks into bread. I have to keep going, golly. And so what I'm realizing is in my life, there's a lot of situations 
that the enemy is distracting me from the worship that God's calling me to. He's calling me to focus on him and make my worship greater. And I can often get caught up in doing these little things that may not seem like sin, but are getting me off course from the things that God's called me to do. He's called me to live with purpose. And many of us, if we ask ourselves, how much am I doing for the kingdom right now? We'd go, man, I, there's so many things that God's calling me to do. And we just got our hands in a lot of turning a lot of stones into bread right now. A lot of things we're doing for our own enjoyment. And it's not always bad. But ask yourself, is it getting you, is it making your worship greater? Is it making you more in love with Jesus? Is it fulfilling the purpose that God has called you for? Because by and large, I don't think that there would have been anything wrong with Jesus just turning those rocks into bread. But I think some of us just, we're just off course, being distracted, doing good things. Pretty cool things, actually. So, I have an illustration for you. Anthony, I need you to come. This is an old school illustration. We did this on our missions trip 20 years ago, me and Anthony. 20 years ago. Anthony, I need your help. Um, this is a broom, and it's a pretty heavy broom. I just need to let you know. And, um, and so, anyways, this is a little bit heavier, but Anthony is, you're quite muscular. Anthony, I need you to, uh, we're talking about the devil today, and the devil's in the world that we live in, right? And so I need you to hold this broom up straight, only looking at your hand. And so if we're not careful, we're focusing on the things that are happening in our life right now. Keep doing it again. Give me another shot. Come on. Uh, if you're focusing on the world at hand and the things that you're trying to do, uh, it's going to be hard. Oh, Dana almost died. Hey. All right. But now the objective is for us to worship the Lord and keep our eyes fixed on the author and finish of our faith. Go ahead and try that out, Anthony. Oh, we did not practice this. There was no run-throughs, okay? This is 20 years in the making. Does he still got the skills? I think he does. It's all about, man, it's like you're gifted, Anthony. Like you were designed for this. Thanks, bro. I love you. I, 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 yeah, yeah, please wait back. I'm not, uh, yeah, okay. I, I'm going to try to go faster. Deb, I have three more points to do, but I'm going to have you come anyway right now. Um, we have to draw our worship on the Lord, and we have to get our eyes off of the things because you have to understand that the enemy was trying to even talk Jesus out of worshiping him. And today it's hard because as your pastor, I'm, I'm like begging you to worship Jesus. And what we have to understand is there's, there's so many things in the culture that we live in right now that we can worship if we're not careful. Yesterday, or Friday was my birthday, super cool day. Uh, some, some of my friends from church, they took me axe throwing. And I thought, man, it was so cool, it was so awesome, it was so wonderful. And if we're not careful, in this world, especially as Americans, we worship a lot of stuff. It's called covetousness. It's called idolism. Idol. Bill, help me out. Idolatry. And we, we worship a lot of other stuff. And the objective is the cool stuff in your life, if Jesus isn't involved in it, all of your praise that you're putting into it becomes, becomes gross. Okay, I have to keep going here. Here's, here's what you need. To, I, I'm going I'm to try to uh, drive this home for you. So the first thing I want you to know is that um, Jesus, forget what the enemy's doing. Here's how we draw closer to the Lord. One, worship Jesus. Man, church, please worship. 
Please, some of you are learning how to do this. When you're driving in your car, change the station, put on something that's going to draw you closer to the Lord, and you're going to find out that that song is somehow everything that's calling you to pull over and just let it get you in the getter. My God wants to talk to you. When you worship the Lord, your, your eyes are fixed on something much bigger than you. It's better sometimes than even prayer. It gets you out of your emotions and onto the reality that God is doing great. He's trying to renew something inside of you. Church, worship the Lord. I have found worship in scripture to be a warfare. Many times it led the, the Israelites into battle and they won the war before they did anything. I, I love when Gideon, uh, he raised the torch and they blew their trumpets and they began to just cry out to God and this is for the Lord and all of a sudden they won their battle. Like praise and worship, it does something inside of us. And if you're not careful, you can worship things around you like television, like stuff, like your cell phone. Like there are so many things that matter so much to us and we have to learn true worship is, mm. and there's scriptures for that, but I'll you have to find me later for it. The next thing you need to know is unity. Man, if you want to draw close to Jesus, don't worry about the craftery and the trickery of, of, of the enemy. Listen to this. Be right with God. Be reconciled. The whole gospel is about reconciliation, that God is calling me back to him even though I'm unworthy, and he's also calling me to be reunited with people. He has given to me the ministry of reconciliation. It's the same thing that Jesus gave me, and now he's asking me to give it to others. Friends, I'm telling you, the enemy's plan is to divide. The Lord's plan is to unite. If there's someone in your life that gets under your skin, that's the call of God. I'll just let that simmer for a second. Because the Lord loves them just as much as you. Oh, but they're a jerk. They're a liar. They're a thief. They, they, they come. Love the hell out of them. Like, love them. Love them. Listen, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You hear that? I'm telling you, as long as I've been a Christian, 21 years, if you want a move of God in your life today, you can literally have revival. Forgive someone. You forgive someone and you will feel and encounter the Holy Spirit. Like it's, it's so powerful how it unties you and there's freedom. God wants to make unity in the church all this dishonor and I'm better than and I'm greater and them people are in the muck. No, no, no. You're in the muck. Yeah. Jesus is pulling you out. Bring someone with you. Yeah. All right, here, I have, here's the last one. I'm done. Uh, testify. This is, uh, this is pretty, 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 pretty wonderful. Revelations chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven and it said, now I have come now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled, where? Down. And they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. 
The enemy has been hurled down and you have been lifted up not by anything of your own doing but by the blood of Jesus. And the way that you overcome is you take that shame off you. All the stuff that says you're not good enough, Jesus never put that on you, I promise. No father would ever tell you that you're not good enough. So if the sun sets you free, you're truly free. Love it. Would you close your eyes for a second? Everyone at home, I love you, and I'm so thankful that you're with us. And I'm praying that God would move in your life right now. I believe that the enemy would love to trip us up. But there's something different about the way that we live. We have purpose. And our purpose is not in this world, actually. It's, it's heaven-bound. But it, it gives us a reason to wake up tomorrow with great intentions. God is calling you first thing he's doing is he's calling you to worship he's calling you then to reconciliation and he's calling you to testify about it let's take off some of the weight of this world and bitterness and ugliness and fix our eyes on Jesus I don't really think that I need to put the enemy under my feet I think what I've learned is when I get with Jesus and worship true worship Jesus lifts me up so high man the enemy's already under my feet I don't have to jump, stand, or raise my voice. The Lord has a way of giving authority back to me. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, I speak freedom over you, church. To him who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so I give back to you what the enemy took from you in Jesus' name where there was brokenness and shame, where there was unforgiveness and hurt, where there was discord in a marriage, where there were broken finances, well, whatever failures you think you did, I want you to know there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. There's, behold, all 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Like things have been made new. You're new, you're new, you're new, you're new. Be born again. And again and again and again if it has to be that way. Like whatever you got to do, just lift your eyes to someone who loves you. You were put on this earth with a purpose. It was to worship Jesus.